0: Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. A quick question this morning, uh, and that would be this Have you ever noticed how easily offended people are today? Have you noticed that? Some of you are like, I don't know how to answer that because I don't know where he's going. Well, let me just put it out there. I'm going after you today and I'm going after you. Everyone in the room, I'm going after you and I'm going after everyone online. As I've gone after myself this week in my preparation, you can't prepare this message without being challenged, even as I've been at home all by myself. Are you with me? And not only have I noticed everyone's offended, but especially Christians. Christians are some of the worst people for getting offended. Have you noticed that? And do you know why that is? It's because we feel it's a part of our job to be offended. We do. We feel it's our job to point out people's sin. We feel it's our job to highlight problems with culture. We feel it's our right and our job to stand up for truth. I'm joking. I'm joking. The message I want to start and the series I want to start today is something I've entitled No Offence Taken. I do believe offence affects each and every one of us, but I don't necessarily know that we have to take on offence. Hence why the title of the series. And I want to thank a few and acknowledge a few people that have helped me package this message and put this message together. And that would be Pastor Craig Michelle, uh, Groeschel. Pastor Stephen Furtick, John Bevere has written a great book called The Bait of Satan and also Brant Hansen, who's written a book called Unoffendable. Unoffendable. He actually says in his book that you can live unoffended, which actually offended me a bit. <laughs> but he, he seems to think that we can live unoffendable. In actual fact, personally speaking, I'm one of those that are not easily offended. I, I think I have fairly thick skin, That is, of course, unless you hurt my wife or if you hurt my children or if you criticise the church or if you don't like my sermon or if you don't like what I'm wearing and don't you dare say anything about my hair. I clearly have some work to do. In regards to this particular subject. In actual fact, I I think all of us have some work to do in this. And I just want to put a little warning out there. Before we get into this series proper, I want to put a warning out there. I will probably offend every one of you. Everyone in the room and everyone online will probably get offended through this series about not being offended. And I just want to say that my goal is not to offend you although I think you might get offended, but my goal is to help. My goal is to help us get over our anger, to get over our offences. And so the subtitle of today's message is simply this, let it go. And it's a serious introduction for what we're gonna touch on over the next few weeks. And in the book of James chapter 1, verse 19, it says, My dear brothers, And sisters, that's every one of us, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Question, how are we going with that? You wanna be biblical? How are we going with quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry? To quote Mark Twain, it's not the things in the Bible that I don't understand that bother me the most. It's the things that I do understand and I'm not yet doing. So how are we going with these three things? Because this is how Jesus lived His life. Do you know Jesus was asked many questions In fact, it was recorded 183 questions Jesus was asked and He only answered three of them directly. Alternatively, He asked 307 questions. Why did He ask so many questions? I believe it's because He was others focused. He wanted to understand where people were at and where people were coming from. That's why He left the splendor of heaven to come to planet Earth. And it says the Word became flesh. He wanted to get in our shoes and not just get in our face. I think as Christians, we're really good at getting in people's faces, but we're not so good at getting in their shoes. Jesus was the master of getting into people's shoes to understand where they were coming from to understand where they were at, to understand why they were thinking what they were thinking. And as a result, He would then speak into a situation. What I've noticed about people's response of late is that it's getting worse. We used to get offended at just the little things, like when people cut you off in traffic and you give them that holy wave, <laughs> using a few fingers just to spell it out. Or maybe it was, it's the talking in the movie i got to be honest with you, I was guilty of this the other day. We went to see Top Gun Maverick on the opening night. And for whatever reason, we went to this small little cinema. And because there were so many, so many sessions, this one was relatively empty. And, and I was there with, with my wife, Kath, and also Matt from New Zealand. And for some reason, I thought, because it's empty, it gave me a right to, to speak. And because and, 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 and I feel like... I. I I own Top Gun, I, I love Top Gun. It's been my favourite film for 34 years and to see this sequel, it was just amazing. And so I, I just felt that I had the right to be able to speak to the screen and let everyone know what I was thinking. I was like, speak to him, Goose. And I just found myself talking. Un, unbeware, unbeknown to me, the few people that were in the cinema were getting quite offended at the noise I was making. Who knew? People get offended over some of the smallest things. But anger has escalated. Traffic's one thing, movies are another thing, but, but this vaccination thing, that, that was a big one. Yeah. To get vaccinated or not to get vaccinated. To wear a mask or not to wear a mask. I mean, we're talking about that again. They're talking about bringing those things back in again. And I'm sure everyone's got an opinion about that. What about this one, Australia Day? When should we celebrate Australia Day? Should we celebrate Australia Day? Should we change the date? And I'm sure every one of us got an opinion about that. And if we started saying, what's your opinion? There'd be an all-in war. It'd be a riot in church, at home, watching online. More recently in America, the the abortion rights were overturned. You think that would make people happy, but there are some that were happy, there are some that were not happy. And then you got the ones who were happy, actually were flaunting and, 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 and just getting in people's faces. And I don't know that this is the way God intended it to be. We've got people who are angry about what we are for. And we've got people who are angry about what we're against. And so it's hard to find middle ground. Today, there are too many of us that are easily angered. The Bible says to be slow to anger. And yet here we are so easily triggered, so easily angered. And it's worse than that. Some people even like being angry. Maybe they don't like what they're angry about, but they like the feeling it gives them. Have you met, met someone or maybe you know someone? Maybe that person looks a lot like you, I don't know. But, but you like the feeling of anger. You know, there are churches and there are small group, connect groups, connecting over not what they're for, but what they're against, what they hate, what they're angry about. And they sit in their little connect groups, connecting over. And another thing, I say, yeah, that's right. You should lead this church. All the things you hate, that'll make you a great leader. And so it goes on. Here's my question this morning is this, how effective is your anger? You're angry, okay, but how effective is it? Is it working for you? Is it making you more like Jesus? Is it pointing others to Jesus? Is it causing you to sleep well at night? Do you have peace? Do you have more anxiety or less anxiety? Do you have more joy or less joy? James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20 says, Therefore you should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Why? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. That's why. Why should we be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to become angry? Because it doesn't, or these things produce what God wants. But if we do our own thing and we get angry, our anger doesn't please God. Whether it's a small offence or whether it's a major betrayal, whether it's uh, choosing a political point of view Or someone giving you the bird, whatever it is, these things don't necessarily please God. And I think most of us who've been Christians for a number of years would say, I know that's true. I get that. Becoming to church for a number of years now, I see that in the word, I get it. But you need to know something, Pastor Tony. I'm the exception. The problem what is with what we learn is we think that we're exception to what we learn. we Are gonna get honest? We think we're the exception to every rule in the Word of God. We somehow think that, yeah, that's good, that's great for them. And we feel that our anger is justified. And the reason we feel it's justified is because we determine that our anger isn't like everyone else's because mine's a holy, righteous anger. I'm angry against sin. But what we find is that almost on every occasion, it's angry at someone else's sin. And so my question is, is it really a righteous anger or is it more like a self-righteous anger? We criticise someone's language. I can't believe the language they use. But we ignore our spiritual pride. We, we say, I can't believe how judgmental they are. Not realising just how judgmental we are being about them being judgmental. Yeah. <laughs> the moment you say they are being judgmental, you are judging them yeah. and fall for the same trap. Yeah. But we don't see it because we're the exception. Or what about, so judging someone's drinking, the amount of alcohol that person drinks. But we ignore our gluttony. It, it's kind of like one of the, the sins that's allowed in church, you're not allowed to overdrink, but you can overeat. Who made that up? Self-righteous people. Have I uh, upset any people this morning? I'm sorry if I have. We always think our anger is justified. Why? Because it's our anger is different. And so we have to decide this morning. We have to decide, do you want to make a point? Or do you want to make a difference? Yeah. Yeah. We have to decide, do you want to make a point? Oh, I'm going to make a point, that's fine. Or do we want to make a difference? Yeah. See, it's not just about winning an argument, but it's about winning people. Yeah. It's about winning people. And this has been a journey of mine, if I can get honest with you. I remember as a teenager, falling in love with Jesus, getting the Word of God, coupling the gifts of God that's on my life. And, and, and I remember having some great discussions with people. And then I remember God arresting me on this very point. He said, Tony, do you wanna win people or do you wanna win an argument? I said, oh, I don't know, Lord. I kind of like I, I like the idea of being right. And winning an argument feels really good. And I remember having to surrender, having to make a choice. Do I want to be right or do I want to make a difference? Do I want to win an argument or do we want to win people? In Matthew 27, verse sorry, 22 verse 37, it says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God, you know it, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. Yeah. See, Jesus didn't call us to be right. He called us to love. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Come on. Now, I don't know about you but I'm a fighter by nature. Psychology tells us there are fighters. There are those that Flight, and there are those that freeze. Are there any fighters in the room? Love you guys. You got some work on your hands. But what about those who just flight, they just run away. The moment there's trouble, they run. Any, any runners? Don't run out of here today, stay here. you have be like, I'm, I'm looking for the back door. Where's the door, where's the door? Someone online have grabbed the remote ready to, they're ready to get out of here. And then there's those who just freeze. They don't fight, they don't run, they just. No matter what category you fall into by nature, it presents a problem. You're gonna, if you're just gonna run away every time there's a problem, that's not gonna help. If you're just gonna freeze up, it's not gonna help. Or if you're just gonna fight everyone and everything all the time, which is a lesson I've had to learn. It's not gonna help. See, there's part of me that I like a good fight. I like standing up against certain situations and certain things and the injustice in this world. But what I know from a little bit of fitness that I've been involved in and a little bit of boxing that I've done and and, and watching boxing films, particularly documentaries like Rocky. (laughs) I know that an angry fighter is not the best fighter. The best fighters are, are cool, calm and collected. And you'd hear trainers on the side say, don't let him get in your head. In order to be a good fighter, you've got to be at peace. And so whether you are a fighter, a flighter or a freezer, we have a work to do and not allow those responses to rob us of what God wants us to do. Now that doesn't mean I don't have an opinion. But I just don't want my opinion to get in the way of my calling. I can justify justify who I am and why I do what I do. But when I justify who I am and what I do, it can be at the expense of what God has called me to do and how God desires to use me. So I wanna encourage you, whatever category you may fit into today, the bigger question is, do you wanna be right? Do you wanna make a point? Or do you wanna make a difference? Do you wanna love? Do you wanna embrace the call of God on your life? And so today, I want us to hopefully look at how we can get over our anger, let go of our anger and ultimately overcome our offence or offences. Does that sound good? I've just got two points this morning, real simple. And and I believe if we could capture this today, it's a game changer. This is a game changer. And the first one is simply this. Number one when it comes to overcoming our offence and getting over our anger, number one, lower your expectation of others. Lower your expectations. How many of you have taken this stance? I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they did that. And more to the point, I can't believe they did that to me. Or I can't believe they did that to my family how dare they call themselves a christian and we get surprised when people sin it shocks me that people are shocked when sinners sin see sinful people do sinful things in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 2 we read people will be lovers of themselves you see this is not new When you see people loving themselves, it's not new. It was written about thousands of years ago. They'll be lovers of money, boastful, proud. They'll be abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love. They'll be unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God. Does that not sound something like the culture in which we live today? And yet it was written all those years ago. You need to know something about me as your pastor. I will let you down. If I haven't already, I will let you down. This may be your first visit or second visit. You may be enjoying all things life Adelaide. But if you hang around long enough, eventually I will let you down. And if you hang around just a little bit longer than that, my wife will let you down. And when I do let you down, or when we do let you down, or the leadership team let you down, I, I want you to do something for me. Don't blame God. And don't blame the church. When that moment happens, understand that's what happens when a single person lets down a fellow Sinful person. Yeah. Good. See, Jesus was never shocked by self-centeredness. It wasn't like things happened and He was like, oh, I, I'm shocked about that. In the Scriptures, it's recorded that there was this woman that Jesus met at the well in John chapter 4 and she starts talking to Him. And He starts talking to her. And in discussion, it comes up that she's had five husbands. Not one, not two, but five. And the guy she was living with was not a husband. So she would had five broken relationships and she was shacking up with some guy she wasn't married to. And what was Jesus' response? He didn't judge her. He helped her. Peter, one of the 12 disciples, I love Peter. Peter was boastful. Peter said, I, I'm not like the other disciples. I will never let you down. I'm built different. A bit like Robbo, he's built different. <laughs> I'll never let you down. Even if everyone else does, I'll stand with you. And if I have to die with you, I will die with you. Fast forward a couple of verses. Peter disowns and betrays and denies Jesus three times. What is Jesus' response? Jesus forgives him. Jesus continues to love him. If you've ever been betrayed, if you've ever been let down, you can stay in your anger or we can take the example of Jesus who forgave and continued to love. We need to lower our expectations of people. First thought, lower your expectation of people. Second thought is this, raise your appreciation of God's grace. Lower your expectation of people and raise your expectation or appreciation, sorry, of God's grace. Lift your hand here if you've never sinned. Yeah, no hands are up. Maybe you've lied, cheated, looked lustfully, envied, done something. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says this For it is by grace that you've been saved. Through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift from God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. You might put up an argument and say, But Tony, they lied about me. But you know what? I've lied. Be a brave person in this room today says they've never lied. So why are you upset about someone lying to you? But he's so arrogant! Again, confession, I've been arrogant. The truth is, I need God's grace. The truth is, you need God's grace. We all need God's grace. Now, I don't want to minimize the hurt and pain that no doubt is in this room. Some of the betrayal that some of you have experienced. Some of the things that happened to you as a young person should never have happened to you. I don't want to be insensitive to that. I'm very mindful that we live in a hurt, broken world. This world is not working the way God intended it to work. It's broken. But with all the love I can muster today, I I wanna hopefully help unlock something today because we need to be careful that we don't feed our anger. See, the origin of offence is always found in I'm right and they are wrong. Yeah. Where does the fence start? Its origin is always in, but I'm right yeah. and they are wrong. And we could argue that point for the rest of our days. And to that, I'd say, how's that working for you? Yeah. How's that helping you? They hurt my child. They let me down. The thing is, if we're not careful, your anger will justify your right to hold on to your offence. See, we can hold on to our stone. Ready and poised to throw it. But often we don't actually throw the stone. We just hold on to it. We think certain things, but we don't act them out. See, if we threw the stone, then it'd be obvious. But because we don't throw the stone, we are held further in our self-righteousness because we feel better than that person. But in John chapter 8, some religious people brought a woman caught in the act of adultery to Jesus. They were an angry group of people. They were an offended group of people. And they came with their stones, ready to stone this woman who'd been caught in the act of adultery. And according to Moses, she should be put to death by stoning. And the Bible says that Jesus bent down. and drew in the sand. Some say that Jesus was writing the sins of those who were watching on. And that's why one at a time, oldest to youngest, they left. We can't prove that. Who knows, Jesus could have just been having a moment with the Father saying, Lord, Father, could really do with your help here. Don't quite know what to do. But at the end of that little moment, there's this beautiful scenario where Jesus is standing alone with this woman. And he never condemned her. He basically said, He who is without sin, throw the first stone. And with that, everyone left. No one had the right to stone this woman because they themselves were guilty of sin. What we're offended about and those that we're offended with, if we're honest, we actually don't have the right to be that offended. And if we choose to hold on to the right to be offended, it will come at a price. And it's a price you don't want to pay. It's a price that Jesus paid on the cross. Yeah. And so my advice to all of us, holding onto our offenses and holding onto our stones, ready to throw them. My advice is simple. It would be this. Drop the stone. See, Jesus didn't call us to live right. He called us to be loving. The goal is not to make a point. The goal is to make a difference. If the band can come and join me, that'd be awesome. We need to be a people that are quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry. Why? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. You know, the thing about offence is if you have a breakthrough and you've managed to drop that stone and then you go into a week that's coming up there's every chance that this week you have an opportunity to get offended again and pick up another stone. So what do you do with that stone? Well, you do exactly what you did with the first one and you drop it. And you oh, wow, that's fantastic. And then you go to school the next day. Oh, someone says something. And before you know it, you've got another offense. Do you know what you do with that one? you drop it. And you keep coming back to God and give Him what He was designed to carry and you and I never were. It's called re-surrendering. We surrender our life to Jesus and we just keep doing it on a daily basis. Back in the 80s, we used to call it dying to self and that's what it is. We just die to the self-gratification, the self-righteousness the self desires. And the only who can truly help us with that is Jesus. Will you stand with me this morning? I, I said it last week. When I focus on people and what they've said and what they've done, I always get stuck. The only way I get myself out of that place Is when I stop looking at what people have done to me and when I start looking at what Jesus did for me. It's when we focus on what He has done for me, when we appreciate the grace of God to us, that we find breakthrough in this area. Where's your focus? If that won't help you, let, let me... Put in a sentence for you what has helped me get unstuck. And it's this one No one has done to me more than I've done to Jesus. No one has offended me more than I've offended Jesus. I'll say it again no one has offended me more than I've offended Jesus, and yet He forgives me and He loves me. Church, don't take the bait. Don't take the bait of offense. It's going to rob you of your joy, of your peace, of your calling, of everything good that God wants for you. Don't take it. But let's resurrender afresh today